This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable free forum discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of several lore aficionados over on the Blizzard Watch staff, and I've got both of my marvelous co-hosts with me today. First up, he knows a lot about warriors, he knows a lot about lore. That would be Matt Rossi. Hey Rossi, how's it going? I'm doing okay. How are you doing after that D&D session yesterday? Because that was wild. I'm kind of in that post-DMing mindset where I feel like I'm slow. Which is why I'm talking like this. I just realized they even sound like I'm slow. It's just okay. Everything's kind of... By the end of the show here, you're going to be really involved in whatever the heck we're talking about today, which is, you know, probably going to be more emails and stuff here. But anyway, uh, I should go ahead and introduce our other co-host. That would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe, how's it going? It's going great. I have a D20 this size on my head. So today is a great day. What is that made out of? Because I saw the picture on Twitter and it looked like it was made out of clay. Uh, it's plastic. So my friend okay. actually has uh, several 3D printers. Uh, and so, like, occasionally I'll have, like, some of my custom sculpts and stuff printed by him. And Cool. Uh, so today he dropped this off, uh, and I, it was just, like, not expected. It's huge. It's super light. I'm going to paint it bright fire engine red and give it gold numbers because I can. And then I'm going to break it out when I DM and scare the heck out of my players because it's- why not? <laughs> it's super funny because the dice set that I have that my sister gave me is bright fire engine red with gold letters. Anyway. Heck yeah. <laughs> she basically had like a couple of sets to pick from and it was either that or pink. And I was like, no, I like red. I want red. Um, So the red ones go faster. The red ones. Yeah, they go faster. From room. Anyway. Uh, so this week we are going to be diving back into the mailbag because we haven't even scratched the surface on the emails and I think we've probably gotten more emails while we've been doing the answer to the emails so we may have to dip back into that and make our list here even longer. Um, if you guys do have an email for the show you can send that to pod or 
yeah, podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Make sure you put lore watch in the subject line so we know it's intended for this show. Um, keep in mind, too, that we are always looking for questions for Blizzard's wa- the Blizzard Watch podcast as well. And you guys can throw, like, quick lore questions over there, too. We don't care. Um, we prefer the non-lore stuff, but uh, there's not a lot of news to talk about right now, so we'll take just about anything. Um, just and I would sure- say... To add to that, make sure you put them in there and don't just try to throw them at us individually because sometimes we will miss things. Yeah, make sure you send it to the email or the other place that you can throw it uh, if you're looking to throw it somewhere. Blizzard Watch does have a Discord available and there is a and podcast questions channel on the Discord. So if you join the Discord, you can go ahead and submit a question there. Again, just make sure that you let us know with the question where that's intended for, whether it's intended for the queue, whether it's intended for the Blizzard Watch podcast, or whether it's intended for this one, just so we have a general idea of where we're supposed to go with that question. Anyway, regardless, let's go ahead and start with these emails because we got quite a lot of them. Uh, so this one is from Leoden, who's a protection ret paladin on Vecklanash, who says, hey, lore masters, Leoden again. Something that came to mind while looking through old quests and while on transmog runs, when the Death Knights tried to bring Fordring back, the light prevented him from being taken. This makes me question when the Shadowlands was broken, because why would the light prevent the Death Knights from saving him from the Maw? Is this what the old god quote of the light making a deal with the enemy of all was? Just one more thing to bounce off you guys love the show, Leoden. What do you guys think about that? Particularly the fact that, that Forgering was prevented from going anywhere. The Naru jumped in and said, no, he's not going anywhere. Well, the Naru didn't. Okay, the light did. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I mean, Sometimes I... I get the two confused. <laughs> Sometimes they the, they get the two of them confused. Uh, I think that's where we had problems with Zira. Mm-hmm. Um, I you and I were talking on the on the Blizzard Watch podcast this week, and you made the point that we know Kalefoss went to where he was supposed to go. So yeah, he did because we're going to run into him there. Yeah, things were at least functional at Somewhat. least up until the end of Burning Crusade, because that's when we we gave Kalefoss the actual stay down this time beating, and he went. To wherever he's gone so in terms of why the light let fordring you know kept kept fordring from being raised to the dead we don't know how the light works it's quite possible the light may or may not know about the the, the maw being maybe the light functional. has a land of its own which would make well, me wonder why it didn't uh, take Uther, a, but you know that's not a that's not a maybe thing we know that it the, does the, the kyrian covenant their their realm is absolutely light. It's well, light, it's light all over the place. Well, no, yeah, we have that epi- we have that uh, quest in Northrun where the light takes uh, what's his name too. They That's the Naru. Off. That's yeah. the Naru, not the light. Well, sorry, the, you're doing it too. Uh, <laughs> oh God, um, just we know that they have that place where the the Kyrian Covenant is, and I'm pretty sure Uther's there. There's definitely yeah, some he indication is. We're gonna that run into him there. there. Mm-hmm. So. We, that therefore tells us that at the end of well, that's interesting because we saw Uther at the end of uh, Wrath of the Lich King. He, mm-hmm. he, he visits our world several times. Mm-hmm. So, but he died way before that. He he died significantly before that. But he does visit several times. Um, if he was stuck in the sword up until that point and then got out, I suppose that would indicate that the the machinery of death was still working then. It's kind of complicated. Now. I have an idea. Okay, go for it. Do you remember we had that theory that Uther wasn't really Uther and that that whole line about there must always be a Lich King was like a load of bunk because Uther 
was like you could get to him at like his little temple thing and all that other stuff. Yeah, I remember. I remember that okay. conversation. All right. So, what if that wasn't Uther we were talking to, and the reason that they said there must always be a Lich King was because they wanted somebody else to put that hat on because that was the engine thing, something. Well, we know that that hat was important. That hat was important because you had to bust it wide open to open the way to the Shadowlands, right? So there's something really important about that hat. And whatever that was, whether it was Uther or otherwise, I feel like the reason they told us there must always be a Lich King wasn't because, oh, we don't want the Scourge to run rampant or whatever. It was because they needed something with that hat on. I guess that's a very interesting question because there have been several points in time where that hat, like wasn't actively being worn yeah like like so this is something that i I question about that too like even before uh arthas puts on the hat there's not a body there nerzel's in it yeah it's empty how long was it empty with nobody wearing but it was sitting there at the top of ice crown waiting for a physical body yeah but it never left the top of ice crown even when it was waiting for a physical body so then why does it still need a physical body now? I, what is, I guess that's, that's the, the question for me is, what does a physical body it's give it? It's not in the Frozen Throne anymore. No, it's not. When he cracked open the Frozen Throne, that's when his power started to leak out. He cracked open the Frozen Throne to push the sword out so that the sword could be taken to corrupt somebody. The second he did that, he started bleeding out power. There was nothing in the armor but Nerzul's essence. As soon as he cracked open the frozen throne that was holding everything together, he started losing power. So then do we think the physical body is the battery? I think the physical body is the replacement for the frozen throne. It needs because something Ner- to inhabit, and if it's not Ner- the frozen throne, it needs a person. Yeah, Ner-Zul, Nerzul was ripped apart. Right. He wasn't just tortured. He was literally torn apart, and then his essence outside of his body was bound to the helm of domination and maybe that wasn't quite enough for the helm or whatever is helming the helm haha pun sort of well which is why it went looking for a champion almost immediately well he want yeah he wants to be free of the frozen throne which means he needs a conveyance he needs a body but the frozen throne itself was the only thing sustaining him because as soon as he pierced it with the sword as soon as he pushed the sword through and out into the world he started leaking power. That's how he started losing control of the, of the forsaken. That's how they all got free. Sure. But so then the the question at that point for that still remains, who would want that somebody to still be wearing that helm? Because at that point, Nerzul's been shredded again, essentially, right? Like he, we know he's part of it still, but like the whole Arthas book, he's not in control. Is he part of it? We see him again, but we don't see him in the helm. We see him in the rune blades. Yeah. It's when the remains of Frostmourne, Frostmourne are turned into. Yeah, it's the remains of Frostmourne. That's where we see him. When you go, when you as a Death Knight, you go in and you see Arthas and you see Nerzul inside the remains of the of the Deathblades, not in the helm. Well, I was talking about before that. But that's the thing. We may be making an assumption that is not relevant. The helm may not have contained Nerzul at all after. It got put on Balvar's head. It may not have contained Arthas. Maybe, maybe Nerzul and, was actually in the sword, and the sword was physically trying to escape. And the reason that they needed someone needs to be wearing the helm is because the same reason that destroying the helm rips open the boundary to the Shadowland. Without an anchor, 
you know, without the anchor of the frozen throne, the the the, the armor began leaking power. Nerzul was dying. The, the helmet was consuming him. Maybe he escaped, and that's why it needed to be on somebody else. Because without that, it's got nobody to consume, and it'll rip open. So then, but then that begs the question of why would the Legion do that way back? Why did we assume that the Legion did it? We don't know that the Legion made that thing that we were told they were, they did, but we don't know that that's true. I don't well, think they did. I think it's and, much like everything else. It's sort of like I don't think you know, AR made the Emerald Dream. I think AR opened a gateway to it. Well, I'm wondering. I don't, I don't think my, the Legion made the helm. I think I didn't, they gained I'm not saying that access they made it, but, to it. Yeah, but what why what would their reason be for maintaining it though? Would why do they maintain the the, the war? They, there's multiple artifacts that the Legion got hold of and used that they didn't create, and they maintain them because they're powerful. There's one particular Death Knight artifact, which are the the war blades that a champion used against Sargeras. He fought Sargeras with these things. That's why they kept them. They didn't keep them. You know, the Legion doesn't know everything the helmet can do in this assumption. And again, it's just an assumption. But if the Legion didn't know what the helmet was for, it just knew that using the helmet, you could create a powerful servant that would help them get around the problem they were having conquering Azeroth. They were trying an end run. The whole deal with the Legion was a, was a back door. They weren't pulling it off, just going in straight attacking. They tried that back in the day with the uh, War of the Ancients. It didn't work. They tried that with Sargeras, trying to get in through the back door with, with Medivh. And the, and, the, and the horde and it didn't work okay what if we try this and we we stole this powerful artifact from somewhere the nathrazim might have brought it to them who knows and they tried it again and it's like we've all this stuff that we don't know and, and we have to admit already, we don't um, know it. what you're saying we've already we've already contemplated the idea of the nathrazim actually being from the shadowlands yeah or we have the necro lords or whatever yeah yeah there's like two, there's two places that the shadow that the the nathrazim look like they'd fit but I mean, all of this, I mean, you know, why would they maintain it? Because it allows them to do something powerful than that they couldn't do on their own. Um, how it, come they don't seem to, they didn't seem to know that because they're arrogant jackholes. If you look at the people who, who supposedly use this helmet, who is it? It's Kill Jaden. Kill Jaden also just, you know, went to Illidan Stormrage at one point and said, I'm not going to kill you. I just want you to destroy the Lich King for me. How come the Lich, he couldn't just destroy the Lich King himself if he made that helmet? and knew everything it could do, why was he suddenly incapable of just killing the Lich King by himself? Why did That's he need it? That's true. I want to let Joe talk just, here for a minute, it, though. So, I mean, part, part of my stuff with this is, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of contradiction here as far as, like, anything revolving around the Helm of Domination. And everything we're saying is just, I mean, uh, of course, most of what we, we say is speculation. But, like, going back to Arthas... I just picture Steve Denuser is sitting here listening to this oh, he's cackling. cackling. Okay, oh, he's cackling. anyway, go for it. But in in the Arthas book, right? And this is something that we, we we talked about a little bit, but we haven't really talked about since we really started talking about the Helm of Domination again. In that book, it's it states that the Helm of Domination was created in the Forge of Domination, which we are going to be visiting again, apparently, in the Shadowlands, um, by the Demons of the Burning Legion. So our theory of maybe it was the uh, Nathrazine might hold water there, just based on that alone. But in the book, it says specifically for containing the spirit of Ner'zhul and granting him his Lich King powers. So I don't know if Ner'zhul started in those blades. I think he might have actually started in the helm and found his way. Oh, no, no, I didn't say out. he started in the blades. I said he was in the blades when Bolvar had the helmet on. Sure. I said he wasn't the helmet anymore. Now, but 
the fact is the books also contradicted things that were said in Wrath of the Lich King after yes, it, it came out. And Are so we dealing with Wrath another King, unreliable narrator, basically? Yeah. The, the thing is, is that who in the book is telling you that it was made specifically to contain the power of the Lich King, to, to give those powers to Ner'zhul? Who says that? Is this something Ner'zhul just knows? Is this something that Kil'jaeden has said to well, Ner'zhul? Where does that information come from? The the where I'm going with this though is uh, and 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 this is where I think that the helm is obviously it's it's very important we know that it's important but what if it was needed to be worn and needed to remain and needed to have somebody using it because it was channeling death it was channeling souls and when it broke whatever it was contained whatever it was holding whatever it was dominating that power was released and if it is a soul bound item that was for whatever reason, or, you know, if the assumption that I make that it is linked to the jailer in any way, that's what allowed that to be ripped open was not necessarily it being a key to the realms, but literally just the unleashing of all that power flooding into the maw at that exact point. Because Torghast is what appears above Ice Crown, not anywhere else Torghast. It is the maw. It is right where all this stuff has been funneling. And we make the assumption that it's you know, or people have made the assumption that, well, it's just because the engine's broken. What if it's not? What if it's just the unleashing of all that power that the Lich King Helm has been containing, controlling, and siphoning for however long it's existed? That's why that ripped open that portal in reality between those two specific points. Now, to go back to the the root of the question that we we kind of strayed a little bit from, and I just want to address the question real quick. It's okay. Um, what, and I because th- I think this is relevant here. This is why I'm bringing it back. Things can intervene before the engine of death sort of kicks in. And we know that because as player characters, we've existed somewhat outside of that cycle by being led back by spirit healers from the Shadowlands to the prime material plane or whatever, to Azeroth proper. The light, nothing says it can't do the exact same thing. We know that there are beings that can intervene, that we know that there are creatures that can intervene before you go anywhere. We've seen it with the spirits of the ancients we've seen it with death knights we've seen it with the undead we've seen it with the naru we've seen it with a whole slew of creatures and beings throughout the throughout the entire universe of warcraft so it maybe not that the the light is preventing the dk's from bringing him you know back so much as the light already made a claim to him and they can intervene because they just can't they can choose to, it can choose to act when it wants to. And also, this is where it's choosing to act. One thing though, that we do also have to do if we're addressing that at no point, do you actually get to even try to raise Tyrion? Mm-hmm. You're just you blocked from getting no, the light. The light stops you before you get that far. Yeah. So it's not like they would have to be intervening to save Tyrion. It could just they be, just intervening. they're just intervening to keep you from befouling the place sure. any more than you already have. Because this is the the place where the light, and this is weird because if you think about it, the reason that the light is there underneath that place is because it's the place where so many people were laid to rest. What? what? Do you think it's another like? But think about that. Think of, the reason that the light is there is because so many people died there, and th- this is where they were laid to rest in its hallowed ground. Do you think it's anything similar to like the Mogu when they have that giant soul engine that just like essentially creates new bodies for souls? No, I think like, it's more along the lines of the opposite. Do you remember when you go to, again, we're going back to Wrath, 
you go to the uh, the room with Bron Jam. Yeah, you're talking about the, the, Forge of, the Forge of Souls. Yeah, but I'm talking about the room above it, which is absolutely swelling with energy. Yeah. Where is that energy coming from? Is it just the souls of the departed? Mm. And if the souls it, of the departed created that kind of energy, but but when you have the souls of the departed in Light's Hope create the light, why is that happening? Is one place pulling the souls through and the other place channeling them somewhere else? Where else are they being channeled to? How did this get the light's attention? Why is the light paying attention? And why is the light so powerful there that Arthas himself couldn't walk in? Do you think that's a function of anima? Do you think I don't, that- that's an interesting question because we know what anima does, don't we? We know a that there's now, a soul yeah. drought. We know there's a soul drought that's currently afflicting. Um, oh, bloody heck! I can't remember. Amberweald? It's not Amberweald. It's I uh, think so. The Feyland, yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. The Feyland one. There's a soul drought that's afflicting that place. Now we're talking about anima, and you you brought up the mogu. One of the things we know is that there's a thing called dark animus mm-hmm. that looks like blood. Mm-hmm. that the yeah. uh, mogu used to animate and change life and the now we know they were the, getting from raw and now we know that there's this anima that is like life force that has that gets channeled back into the world when things die and we know that it lights hope at least all those dead people's light seems to be there well, and it was it... powerful enough to stop the death lord cold it was powerful enough that when we tried to get you know Tyrion's body Darian Mograine got fried standing stepping in so that the, the, the Death Lord doesn't get hit and it's so powerful that Arthas didn't even try to go there until after he'd sent everybody to he wanted to lure Tyrion outside he didn't want to try to go in after him so no, he was very specifically trying not to go in there so here's here's another link that I've been thinking about with this stuff too, and and I'm not certain that the Legion has a monopoly on this, but we talked about soul engines a long time ago, and it's one of those things where soul engines are these entire these these wickedly powerful things that channel and harness soul energy. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be for bad. What if what if the light is using this place where these souls are as a sort of soul engine? Like one, one thing, one thing here. I want to ask you this question. In Nagrand, what is happening to the spirits of the orcs? They're getting eaten by a dark Naru. Mm-hmm. And do they care or mind in any way? No. And what is him what is consuming their souls doing to the Naru? Purifying it, it. And when it is fully purified or charged up, what is it going to be? A light Naru. And what are Naru? That's a very good question. Because we know that there is an ancient crystal on Argus so old that 25,000 years ago it had been forgotten. Mm-hmm. No one there knew what it was or how it worked, and they kept it in a special shrine, and only one Draenei managed to figure out, and he wasn't a Draenei, he was an Eridar at the time, managed to figure out how to use it, and that through a vision to call the Naru to him. It was a and gift they, from somewhere, from, and that's all they knew. And we still have no idea where that came from. Are the Naru alive? And if they are alive, are they alive in a way that isn't the same as other life forms? That seems The way clear. that Zira they, talks in absolutes makes it sound like she is the light's version of the Titan Forged. Yep. 
fulfilling her purpose, whatever that purpose That's... may be, with very little disregard for the free will of anything that might come like I don't know, Illidan. But if things if, if things pledge their souls and their power to you willingly, you don't have to force them to do it. And what is what is no. Zero doing with raising that army? And All what do the Naru do? What do the Naru do? Ah I've been saying this forever and ever and ever. What happens when you go to Shadrach City for the first time and you run into a doll? When you talk to him, you don't talk to him. When you go up there and you open the dialogue box, it says that you feel at peace, like everything is okay. Because mm -hmm. that's what the Naru do. They put forth this aura of everything is okay, nothing's wrong, and they make you feel great. But you're missing one thing that I'm trying to get across here is Joe is okay, asking go for about it. soul engines. Yeah, no, go for You're it. Asking Sorry. About soul engines. What is a Naru? It's basically a soul engine. Yes. I I said that I said something along those lines months ago on Twitter and like it's it's that that's kind of it. Like that's why I said I don't think the legion has a monopoly on them. We know and that it... we know that fell is the create is created when light and dark the when the light and shadow utterly annihilate each other. Mm -hmm. And we know that souls can be used in soul engines to create fell. Because we are the culmination of light souls, and dark. Souls have light and dark in them. Mm -hmm. And we know that there's that ton of light in Light's Hope from dead people. Yep. And we know we know that we can see plenty of times with necromancy, we see shadowy, dark magic. Mm -hmm. Like what Sylvanas hit, um, sorry, Varrock with, Varrock Sarfang. So the soul in itself is is just like the universe. It is created of all these different forms of energy. It it could very well have arcane energy in it. Plenty of things, arcane things, seem to deal with souls. Um, arcane magic leads to warlock magic and fell. You can switch to them. You can learn how to ca do arcane magic, and that knowledge will teach you how to use fell magic. And we know that the the, the shamanistic magic deals with ancestor spirits. And but it still comes easily, from spirits. Can be very easily converted to necromancy. Yeah, I mean, look I, at look I at dark shaman. shaman once. No, yeah, I was a shaman once. That's from the Lich King. Yep. All of this. But but I was gonna say specifically, even dark shaman call that out. Like just as recently as Siege of Ogremar, when we're doing that, they're how are they shackling spirits by using the the element of spirit by bending it to their will by using it to power the enslavement. You're absolutely and, right. And what is the reason that Azeroth, the world soul, is so powerful? Because it has an overabundance of spirit. And why did Azeroth not experience the same thing with its elementals as Draenor did? Because Draenor's it was consuming spirit, the spirit. Draenor's spirit was going forth into the world. Nascent, mm -hmm. nascent Titan world souls need spirit. They, they need, need energy. Consume it. Are and, they soul engines? Yeah. Or, for that matter... When they consume the, the element they need, the rest is still there. Does that mean that there's a symbiotic relationship where the light is freed from the spirit when it is consumed and the spirit energy goes to the world soul? Is that why, for an example, um, Norushan had so much light energy at its disposal? The, Titan, the Titans can, can control and use spirit. I mean, control and use light. And, and I was wondering about so. And I was also wondering about that because there's so many Titan facilities that we don't know what they're for. There's that huge engine of the makers. What was that? What is it? What was its entire purpose? It's a giant thing you can fly in and move around. We have all these things. What if they were there to make that more efficient? The, cons the consumption of whatever the soul needed. Well, we're told elements. One of the things we're told when we're reading, you know, about that 
is that the world was created, they created a series of engines around the world to channel the power back into Azeroth. When the, when the Well of Eternity was created. Because that, that whole wound was, was, yeah. Yeah. But they never said what energy in specific they were channeling back into Azeroth yep. or how it was being generated. Or why, or why her wound is a giant arcane font. Why is it specifically an arcane font? Is that well, just because the Titans are the... from the arcane But branch. she's not born yet. Doesn't matter. She's a world soul. She's but still got is... Titan blood. Titan blood is arcane in nature. That, that, the, the well of eternity that we were all, you know, swimming around in, maybe drinking, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's Titan yeah. blood that we were messing but, around with. So think about this, because I think Joe's got a point here. We know that the, the Mogu used ant dark anima to create living things. And we know that the Titan blood is itself also a very powerful arcane force. Yeah. Why, what, why are they doing it the way they're doing it? Why did they decide to, to shape the world the way they shaped it? Mm-hmm. Why did they create these giant engines to channel energy back? And at the same time, those engines often re- result in the creation of new Titan Forged. Because the engine of the Makers is part of the construct that creates new Vrykul and new Earthen up in, in Alduar. And a similar engine in the South. I mean, the, the whole South. point was to protect the planet because it was infested with old gods. And they but, couldn't who's like... telling, but who's telling us that? We're, a we're, possibly that's, unreliable narrator. We're we're learning this from people that learned it from the Titans, right? Like that's the well, whole he, idea. Like this here's is another thing too. That. Here's another thing too to consider. In Legion, uh, we we one of the mounts that you can get is the priest mount. Yeah, and it's this bright white, like eagle owl cat looking thing, uh, and it looks exactly like the owl people from Bastion. From Bastion in Shadowlands. There's I'm not saying that we're being lied to. I'm saying that we there's a lot to this we don't necessarily understand. And and I and I keep going and I agree with you. And I keep going back to the idea that like we we talk about the light and the void a lot. And we talk about a lot that the the light sees one thing is true, the void sees everything is true. There's shades of gray in between. I feel like the void has been telling us it's just hitting us with truth bombs all along. Of course it is, because there, there's there's more than one truth, and there's mm-hmm. you know less than a million truths. The truth is somewhere in between. But well, what no, I'm saying is, like, no. if, we're being, if we're being told something from somebody's perspective, they believe it to be true, like even if it's the Titans delineating this information to their their creations, they believe it to be true doesn't mean it is the entire truth. Well, plus we're also... Con- you just made me think of Nosdormu here. And when Nosdormu is contacted by... God, as soon as you say, you just made yeah. me think of Nosdormu, I'm like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> when Nosdormu is contacted by Amonthul, Amonthul says to him, you know, to you is granted purview over time. And that means, for one thing, Amonthul can grant that purview. Uh, and it also means that when Amonthul says, that, you know, preserve the timeline for there is one true path. One true path to what? Because there's a thing. We've been getting this this idea that this is being presented as the light sees one thing and thinks it's true, and the void sees every possibility and thinks they're all true. But what if the light isn't like the light doesn't believe that there's only one true path and that there's only one thing that is true? The light be- believes there's only one desirable outcome mm-hmm. for something. Yeah, for we whatever it is, the light wants. And the what void, is that? The void wants wants nothing. Literally, the void wants nothing. The void wants void. I'm talking about the, the light. 
But no, I know, but that's my point. The, the void is operating on a, on a balance of we want this all to end in nothing. So any, any road that isn't that road is fine by us because it will ultimately end in nothing. But they want something. And in order for something to be there, you need to go along this one prescribed path to get you to that thing, whatever it is. And this includes reigning in the multiverse, reigning in all these alternate realities. That, that's what they were doing. Why? Because only one road gets you to, you know, think of it like the old saying, you know, all roads lead to Rome. Mm -hmm. That's if Rome is non-existence and all roads lead there, except one of them, that one pathway, it's not any truer in the sense of true or false. It's the true path because it gets us to where we want us to go. Which is anywhere the, but Rome. Yeah, anywhere but over there. We don't want to go over there because that's bad. And you're talking when, when you said the thing, Joe, neither of them can really actually encapsulate the idea the the, the light cannot encapsulate the idea that you could go on a different path mm -hmm. and still not go to void town. And the void can't either. No, no, everything will get here. No, we're not going there. But that means you're going there. No, we're not. Neither of them can actually understand that they're wrong. Yep. They do not see all things and think they're all true. They, they are see... in absolutes. They're all paths that go to where they want to go. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing, the interplay between these two forces, and then thus all the other forces. Because neither of them understand, say, Fell, or the the Legion. The Legion does not, you know, the, sure, the Void think that the Void are like, look at the Legion and go, oh, this is going to where we want it to go, so we're fine yeah, with that's why they weren't. that's why they weren't afraid of them, because no yeah. matter what, it ended in the same way they wanted it to end. Yeah. Not that well, it couldn't be destroyed by them. Just, just, yeah. Yeah. The, but the Legion saw that, saw it differently. The Legion are like, down, no, because when we're done, we're going to make a new thing. And that's and the, the light the, the didn't jump. like that at all. And the light no. was very much opposed. The light was opposed to it because if the Legion got its way, then its one path was going to be destroyed. Yeah. And that's, if you look at the way Zera is with Illidan, at no point is Zera hostile to Illidan. No. no she's. She's just she, resolute. She's very she mechanical. Not, and Illidan himself, what Illidan says to her and what Illidan says to Velen is the same thing. Forget what they are telling us. It doesn't matter who they are. This is our, it's our wheel to grab. It's our direction to course. It, it's our path. And it can go to what we want it to be. We, you know, forget fate. Fate's what you make it. Like, let's let's make a road. And so you're basically you've got one group that are trying to give you the road. They're trying to give you the, the not just the path, but the destination. You'll go to here and you'll go here by this road. And that's exactly what Nosdormu is given. When when Amanthul talks to Nosdormu, Amanthul says there's one true path. When you talk to Algalon, Algalon's like, how could we not have conceived of this? How can you defy cosmically calculated odds? We've run the numbers. This shouldn't be happening. But we have free will. Yeah, and not just that. And we don't we're... have to follow that road. We can make our own road. And we, that means when we're making our own road, we're not on any of the roads that the, the Void have, has is telling you you should be on. The no. Void will tell you, go this way, go that way, go this way, go that way. They'll drive you crazy with paths. None of those paths were the path you were already on, because if they were, they wouldn't be telling you anything. We're taking a new, different road, and that's what the light finds so fascinating, because they don't know where that road goes any more than we do. And Except that neither, it doesn't go where the void is. 
Yeah, exactly. And neither does the void know, because if the void knew where you were going, they wouldn't need to try and stop you. They, they wouldn't, wouldn't need, need to, to try, try and, and corrupt try you. To... Yes, exactly. The second. Okay. As much as this is a fascinating discussion, and it <laughs> is, and it plays right into my whole the Naru are, we need to be just as wary of the Naru as we do of the old gods. Um, we've only gotten one email, so I kind of want to move to the next one, if that's okay. Unless you've got, do you want to wrap up your point here, Rossi? I'm sorry. My point is just that when you're dealing with like what did the light do, why were we allowed or not allowed to do things, a lot of the times the answer is because they didn't know we were going to do it. Mm -hmm. And in the case of Tyrion, Tyrion didn't get raised not because, you know, the reason Tyrion didn't get raised was because we never got there. The light just flat out hammered, you know, would have killed your character, but it, it got Darian instead. But that wasn't the light preventing it from happening because of anything else. That was the light saying, get out of here. This is my place. Yep. Okay. Our next email is from Samantha, who says, good morning. It's not morning. It's afternoon, but we'll take that. And he says, my question is, is, since Sylvanas broke the Lich King's crown and there is no Lich King anymore, will there be no more Death Knights created? Thank you for reading my email. Love your podcast, Samantha. That's an interesting question. Two words. Taryn Gorfiend. He created Death Knights before there was a Lich King. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, no, Terran didn't. Yeah, he did. Didn't he slam the souls back in? Well, Gul'dan. Well, Gul'dan did, but it was before the Lich King. Terran Gorfiend Terran was the, one the first he one. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So you, you were right, but I'm just saying Terran didn't actually do this. Yes. That was that was it, Gul'dan. It was Gul'dan, who is our favorite evil for the sake of being evil. And if you want, you can draw a path between Gul'dan and Ner'zhul. Ner'zhul studied Terran. Because Terran Gorfin mm-hmm. went back to, uh, yeah. to Outland and you know, got when it wasn't even Outland, it was still Draenor. And Terran and Nirzul came up with their idea to create new portals and go to some other world. So Nirzul studied Terran, and when Nirzul was stuck inside that thing, he got the idea of sticking the sword out of the Frozen Throne to create his new Death Knight, Arthas. And from there, Arthas created the, the Death Knights we now know. So Death Knights are basically Gul'dan's fault. Yes. I mean, Death Knights are essentially just shoving a living uh, or a soul back into a corpse. Yeah. And you don't have to be you don't have to be the Lich King to do that, as Correct. Joe has said. Yeah, and and you, don't, you don't even need it to be the same soul because the first Death Knights were fallen orcs shoved into human, human bodies. Yep, yep. They were orc necrolites, to be exact. There, there's and a that's... reason why Terran looks like a man, but he was created by an orc. He's not actually a man. It's just the corpse that he's inhabiting was a man. And one of Stormwind's best knights, one of the brotherhood yeah. of the horse. So yeah, we we could get all sorts of different kinds of Death Knights coming up. We don't know, uh, but the Death Knights we're getting in patch eight point three, if you pre-ordered Shadowlands, those Death Knights are created by Bol- by Bolvar. Yeah. He does create a whole bunch of new Death Knights, and he, he spent still, a bunch of time in that helm, so he probably has the knowledge. He still like even though even though Bolvar doesn't have the hat of many powers anymore even though he doesn't have that he still retains the knowledge that he gleaned while he had that hat on and the thing is is like we don't exactly know the scope of all of the knowledge that Bolvar has right now because he gained a lot he was just you know knight of stormwind or whatever but when he was scorched by the red dragon's flames all of a sudden he was kind of irrevocably tied to life and maybe gained a deeper understanding of how all of that worked. When he put that hat on, he was as equally irrevocably tied to death. He's suspended in between the two. 
and he understands I'll- both probably far better than any other creature on Azeroth. I also like to think too, like going back to like the Arthas book in in sense that there's sort of like a I don't want to say like a natural storage of knowledge within whatever he was doing as well. So your your point is absolutely correct, and I think that that gave him a deeper understanding. But then if he had access to all the knowledge of Merzul and Arthas before him, yeah, you know, catalog that he could you know, he's been sitting there for how many years at this point, just doing his thing. You know, he he will still have that figuring knowledge. stuff yeah. out. He still has and that knowledge. You can't you can read your favorite book a million times, right? And he hasn't been doing nothing up there. I mean, exactly. we've seen him do all kinds of things. We still don't have an explanation for why he was doing some of the things that he was doing. He did a lot of stuff in Legion. A lot of stuff let me, in Legion. Let me, let me put it this way. And he was still doing stuff in uh, uh Battle in for Azeroth. Current. Battle for Azeroth. On December seventh, two thousand ten, mm. uh Cataclysm came out. Yes. So Bolvar was, was canonically Lich King at that point. So it's been roughly a decade. Mm-hmm. So within that 10 years, and even if you don't count it as 10 years in game, it's been at least five. Yeah. And more like seven or eight. I think. E- each expansion has been either a year a to two years. years. And that was, you know, we, we've gone through Cataclysm, uh, Mists of Pandaria, it's been Warlords about of Draenor, six Legion. years, maybe seven in game right Azeroth, now. Yeah. So it's been yeah. almost in the, a decade. In, in that time, he has been the Lich King. For at least the first year or two, he did practically nothing. Because when you go to places like uh, the, the Plaguelands in Cataclysm, they even say that the Scourge is disorganized and minor figures are reaching forth and trying to claim power for themselves. It's like he's figuring it out. Yeah, Figure, figures that would never have been able to do that before. Like Amethaw the Coldbringer suddenly thinks he's going to be a big shot. This is a guy whose biggest accomplishment was he managed to take over Razorfen. That guy <laughs> thinks he's going to be in charge of the of the entire Scourge. You know, so for the, during that year or two, Bolvar didn't do much. The Valkyr could get out and make their own little plans with Sylvanas. Other stuff was going on. Bolvar was not doing much, but in that time, he had the same ability to do what Arthas did. He accessed the helm, mm-hmm. and that's what Arthas did. And when, we Arthas, when Arthas took the helm, he spent time just sitting there absorbing what he was learning and figuring out who is going to be in charge of this. Is it going to be Arthas Menethil? Is it going to be Nerzul? Is it going to be both of us? No, it's just going to be me. And Arthas made that decision and he pulled it off. But he had that time and Bolvar had that time. And it's pretty obvious that neither Nerzul nor Arthas's souls were in there to stop him. Yep. No, they were already in like the weapon. They yeah. were in the or in the mall. No, point. I think With they were in the shards. Right? It's pretty obvious to me they were in the shards of Frostmourne because when you Are gather you sure, them together, though, because because when Sylvanas tossed herself yep, off and right. everything, and that was after Frostmourne had been broken and was in pieces, she saw the spirit of Arthas Menethil now, in, in that nothing, darkness. There's nothing to say that the soul isn't fragmented. Oh, it could be. That's the thing. That's the thing I've been thinking since the Light's Hope, because we know that the the spirits of the dead, you know, their light remained behind. That might be what we see of Uther when we go to Uther's tomb is the light from him. But what we see of Uther when we go to uh, to um, Ice, Ice Crown Citadel is not the light from him. Mm-hmm. And may not even be Uther at all. It might not be Uther, but it might just be a part of Uther. Because, you know, we also see Terranus. Yeah. And Terranus, you know, why is Terranus able to raise me from the dead? Terranus never had that power in life. 
Yeah, he was just a dude. He was never a paladin or a priest. Yeah, he was he was a good king, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going around healing people or anything. Was that Terranus? Was it or was it a part of Terranus or was it Frostmourne? Mm. Think about that. We don't know what Frostmourne is. Yep. No. We know that it was made somewhere and we know that rune weapons when they're broken get stronger when you reforge them. And what do we what what happens immediately it, it after we get raised? Souls. That's what we know about it. It like Hoovered souls like nobody's business. But yeah. it also was shattered before we were raised. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And then it got reforged as two swords. Mm-hmm. And then those two swords got used as an artifact. And those two swords supposedly were burned out, drawing the uh, Sargeras power from that giant sword. What's going to happen to them next? Are they going to be forged back into one weapon? Oh, boy. Is that going to make them stronger again? There's like just a ton. I feel of- like this is something we're going to find out in Shadowlands. <laughs> And also, I mean, like, I want to know, I I think we are going to learn it because I think we're going to learn where Frostmourne came from because Frostmourne existed, you know, they did say they did say that when they were talking about Torghast, they said one of the things that we will be exploring when we're in Torghast is the origins of the helm of the the helm of domination and Frostmourne. So we're going to be finding out more information about that in Shadowlands for sure. I, I, I'm wondering if we are actually going to go to the Forge of Domination and meet the blacksmith. Yeah, because who's the blacksmith who came up with because, that idea and who gave well, him be, the blueprints? Because, again, like going back to the Helm of Domination, but like everything up to this point tells us, and again, unreliable narrators, all that aside, like grain of salt, that both items were created in the Forge of Domination. Heck of a place that you're building that stuff by name alone. And we're going to be we're going to visit there. We're going to build our own domination armor using runes gathered from Targast. Like, th- this is stuff that they have said in interviews and panels since since BlizzCon. Like, there is going to be our own creation of this in the Forge of, of Domination. We're going to the place where these things were made. I'm a little bit sketched out by that whole idea, but... I'm sketched out that we're going to be... Excited. I'm kind of excited to see what exactly is going to happen when we're there. I mean, I'm really? sketched out by soul binding still because we're tying our souls yeah. to something else to get power. What are they getting out of the deal from us? Because yeah. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a one way street. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and go to the next email, um, Samantha. Anyway, answer to your question. Yeah, there's still going to be death knights, and and there will still be death knights created. There are ways to do that. Um, next email is from Sophie, who's a frost death knight from Zangarmarsh, NA. And you know what? Um, it seems like we're just like running into a pile of Death Knight stuff here because we've got Death Knights asking questions. Uh, Sophie says, hey guys, ever since the BlizzCon cinematic, I've been trying to figure out exactly how and when Sylvanas's benefactor gave her the powers she used against both Sourfang and Bolvar. While leveling in Stormheim and after she makes her mysterious deal with Helia, we see an in-game cinematic between her and Greymane. In this fight, she doesn't seem to use the swirly purple powers she's been using since the start of Battle for Azeroth, and in fact she loses to Greymane, who manages to take and destroy the lantern, binding Ire. Is that how we pronounce yeah. it? Ayer. Ayer? Okay. Yep. Anyway, I don't see why she wouldn't have killed Greymane at this point if she had these powers that she used to defeat Bolvar. Why would she not get quote-unquote souped up until after this point? What happened between Legion and Battle for Azeroth that led to her receiving these powers? Thanks as always, Sophie. That's a very good question. I, like, I, honestly, I honestly think that you see some of that in that fight. Right, like, and, and to go back, the the crux of thing, bit, I think, a little she bit. bams, yeah. Like, but here's the thing: just because you have that power doesn't mean you instantly know how to use it. 
and we've talked we just talked about that with with Arthas and the Lich King and that stuff. You know, she yeah, because Bolvar had to take his time to learn how to do Lich King stuff. Yeah, and she's casting a Black Arrow here, which is the first time I think canonically in game she's used it, but it's like oscillating with this purple energy as it makes contact and it explodes. It's not like anything we've seen her do before. Did she use those arrows at the beginning of Legion when they were when they were doing the fight and and she said, "Nope, I'm out of here." They were black and wispy. They were not like she used in the fight against um, okay. against Greymane. So they okay. were different at this point. Okay. Well, Helia wasn't dead yet, so she wasn't inhabiting Sylvanas' body yet. I mean, what's the problem? <laughs> but but I, to, I'm to, not to, kidding. I, I didn't think you were. But to, to answer the question from my perspective, I think that's when the deal was started. And she might not have known that she was what she was going to get from power-wise. Just that she was going to get more power, which, sweet. So... Yeah, I, don't think, I, don't I, I want to hear more about Rossi, about what Rossi has to say here. So, yeah, I, I don't I'm not disagreeing with Joe, just more that I'm going in a slightly different direction with it. I don't think the deal has ever been about power. I think Sylvanas wants escape. Yeah, but the thing is, sure. is wants... what, what Sophie is asking here is, yeah, but why didn't there. Sylvanas get souped up? OK, yeah, go for it. So when she made the deal in the first place, she got the the Vrykul, the the, the uh, Valkyr. And they, she was using them to, to, you know, raise people and create more Forsaken as part of that long-term goal of escape. So when when you see Sylvanas fighting Greymane, she has not yet been pushed to the point of desperation because her plans are working. She's got the Valkyr, and she knows that she can get more Valkyr. She's lost a few throughout Cataclysm. So we go into Legion, and she's like, okay, I need a new source because I need the ability... I, I've just spent like one of I, how many Valkyr had to die to to fix Anathanos? He she didn't die. Okay, but she was drained, right? Uh, what do you yeah, mean? How so, many had to fix Nathanos? One, and it was one oh, that one. that expended a bunch of power. She's not yeah. dead; she's still there. And in she, fact, she just got. And in fact, she she's got hoovered a little bit, I guess. Yeah, in fact, she's the one we deal with. I th- think at with Nathanos. On the boat, I'm. Not, I'm gonna double check. I Keep going. I think so, but yeah. The point being, she so she going into Legion. She knows that she can, with enough of these Valkyrie at her command, she can create ones like herself and the Thanos. She can, and for the, for all we know, she's used it on herself too, because she's got. She seems to be much more. She didn't used to have the ability to explode into Banshee form and then regenerate back up into Sylvanas. No, not really. That was also something we never saw her do before. Mm-hmm. So you get into Legion and you see, like, you know, everything is working according to plan. She's found Stormheim. She's managed to make contact with Helia. She's gotten the lantern. Everything's coming up Sylvanas. And then suddenly Gen attacks. And keep in mind, up until this point, Gen hated Sylvanas. Sylvanas didn't think much of anything about Gen. She was going to kill him because he was in the way. Oops, she killed his son instead. Whatever. He didn't matter to her. He wasn't a threat. No. So she went into that fight. You know, okay, the old dog's here. I'll shoot him and it'll be done. And she does just that. She shoots him. And for at least a second, she thinks he's done. He's on the ground. He's in human form. He's nothing. And only then does she see that he has the lantern. So why didn't she just blast him with the the amount of power that she used on, on Surfang? Well, for one thing, she didn't need to. Because she took care of him as far as she knew, just fine without it. Two, we don't even know if she had it yet. 
And the thing is, is that it makes sense that she wouldn't have it yet because she wouldn't have felt desperate enough yet. And I think that's all part of the pact from the other side is getting Sylvanas to feel desperate enough. Oh yeah. Make her, make her go deeper. And when she loses the lantern, and I think this goes back to war crimes. I think this goes back to what happened with Garage and what happened with Verisa. Yeah. When she lost Verisa, that was her first step into real desperation. Because I'm going to say something that I rarely say about Savannah Swinrunner. She desperately loves her sister. Oh, yeah. And desperately wanted her back and would have done anything. She was w- completely willing to plot, you know, Garage's murder. A, she hated Garage anyway, so sure, why not murder him? But look at how fast she goes right into the plan and how quickly, despite having misgivings, she just takes Varisa's ideas. She would have done anything to get Varisa back. And when she didn't, that started to push her. And so she, she turns Nathanos into what he is now. So she's got something she's got, at least she's got somebody who will do exactly what she says when she says it. And in her own way, she loves him too. Even when they were alive, there's, there's, there is something there. Yeah. But when she goes into Legion, she thinks this is all working perfectly. And keep in mind, if would have had, had, you know, um, Anduin gotten his way, her plan would have worked flawlessly. The reason it didn't work was because Alliance leaders who hate the Horde a lot more than Anduin does were not willing to take his orders. And so they hunted the Forsaken down and attacked them anyway. That's Sky Admiral Rogers and Gen right there. And that's directly defying Anduin when that happens. If not for them doing that, and even then, even when Gen finds her, he is not a threat to her. She shoots him down. She thinks she's won. And only then does she realize that Gen, for all his being a werewolf, he was thinking and he realized he couldn't hurt her. So he went for the thing that would hurt her. Yep. And up until that point, everything was going her way. Why would she be desperate enough yet? But now you break that, you break that thing. Now she can't get another Rykul. She can't get any more Valkyr. And she's, and she's dwindling at this point. Cause I mean, if you go through it, she started with nine mm-hmm. and we, what there are three, one of them, two, two unaccounted well, for right one of them died in Anderhall. Yeah, so we have Agatha, yep. Agatha, Anhide, Aradine, Arthura, Dasla uh, are all dead, and Brinja was killed by Tyrande. Mm-hmm. But that was even that was before the, that the Tyrande killing one was 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 after this. But I I'm believe saying... the moment, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm totally agreeing with you. I just I'm just saying, I think the moment that she finally got desperate enough to to say, all right, what do you want, was that moment. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. She lost, she lost the lantern. Now she's desperate and desperate people will start. She even says this to Anduin. I'm mean, not to Anduin, but about Anduin. She's like the boy king thinks he's won, but war is a living thing. It shifts and twists. And, you know, he doesn't know who will be on top when this is all over. She knows how far she'll go to win. Well, not only that, how, go, how far she'll go to survive. Yeah. And the reason and, I and, and the reason I bring that up is because the first time she died, one, only one Valkyr gave exchanged her place for Sylvanas. When we saw it later, when Walden shot her, it took three. She's not, she's running out of, of chances to escape her fate. Like you said, she's further and further going into that desperation mode. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's, I think why you don't see her using that power before, because a, she didn't need it. And B, she may not even, even had it. And you'll notice that, like, when you go into Battle for Azeroth, when you watch the opening cinematic, the stuff she's doing is stuff she never did before. Mm-hmm. The you know, not just the blowing up of the uh, the siege tower, but the thing where she blasts out into full banshee mode 
and you know destroys like multiple alliance and then reforms herself that's new and the only reason that more people didn't call her on it was the fact that they were just busy in the moment of you know alliance versus horde conflict and nobody had time to go wait a minute she can do that how long has she been able to do that and 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 when she does do stuff later they 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 comment on it they comment i have no idea what she's doing i've never seen this before there's just a lot to this that we're like the idea that you know why didn't she do it back then i because she wasn't desperate enough yet and that's why it makes me think that we're going to hear more about helia because i'm pretty sure helia serves as the gateway drug here oh yeah the whole reason helia made that deal was because it would push her because it would lead to her being you know dismayed that's why helia doesn't stop you when you go down into her realm helia does not put up much of an effort to stop you you're going to tell me that one just because one ex valkyr is, is like you know defending you that that helia is going to let you go and not only that, three times, three yeah. times, because not only are you in her realm and doing that and defying her in her own realm, her place of power with all of these souls that she's been collecting for ages at this point, you beat her back from a boat, like going through, you know, a small party of you with one of her most trusted servants uh, uh, before you, before dealing with her. And then the raid, like also taking place in her place of power. It was all according to her plan. No doubt in my mind about that. I agree. Okay. Much as this has been fascinating, we've actually eaten up the whole hour <laughs> that we've had to talk. One so... thing, the, before you do, one mm-hmm. thing I want to point out too, mm-hmm. the fight Joe was talking about is called is in the dungeon called Maw of Souls. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And there's, the guy who's running the boat is named Harboron. He's a celestial. And he's, uh, he's a celestial like Halgalon. Yep. Yep. Possibly he's the dead, he's the dead celestial that, that Sargeras killed. It's entirely possible. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and consular. Yes. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Um, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. That's why we have a le- weekly lore watch, you guys. Uh, Blizzard Watch supporters, they enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, the listeners of Blizzard Watch, I know we were talking about it a lot today. Um, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. The the novel Arthas Rises of the Lich King is actually one of those books that is available as an audiobook and you could use your free trial to get that book. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in there. It's obviously, it's it's about the history of Arthas, but in between there, there's also bits and pieces about the Lich King and the end of the book itself is really fascinating in terms of where is Ner'zhul? Where is Arthas? Are they still there? Are they not? We don't know. Um, so you can get that as your free 30-day trial. You could get any of Blizzard's other titles or you know audible's got thousands and thousands of other books that you could choose from um you could sound download any of blizzard's titles any of those other books by going to blizzardwatch.com slash audible where every sign up helps support the show and everything that we do and um final thoughts you guys i have a doozy for you if we go back to uh the first little bit that we were talking about here and if we say that the naru are soul engines what exactly did they do to kalia menethil rossi stuck some light in there the thing is is that they the naru themselves used anduin and um alonsis to raise her mm-hmm. so it feels to me like it's possible that they deliberately siphoned a little bit of anduin's light and alonsis's undead did they just forge her. a soul 
that's certainly one possibility. Uh, but I think it's more along the lines of they kind of borrowed bits from the other two. I think it's their 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 facsimile of a soul. Like it, it, it's going to sound weird, but what it, we've we talked about this earlier this episode. What is a soul? It's light and shadow. It's both. Part part that's... two of this then is Calia really Calia? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I'm hitting you with the hard ones today. I'm sorry. No, no. It's it's complicated, but I, I think I think the answer is yes. And I but I think she is a new thing. She is something that that the Naru didn't know could be made yet. And then they this is new. This is the first thing. But it's she's still Kalia as much as you know Darian and all the rest are still themselves as well. There might be strings attached, but she's still her in most regard. What I'd agree think, because Rossi? I don't think she's you. I don't think she'd be useful to them if she wasn't kill Kalia. I yeah. think that's the entire point. The, the Naru want to see how this works. She's a prototype. Yep. Anybody, you can you can just reanimate a corpse as a mindless automaton. Easy. We see that all the time. Skeletons, yeah, that's that's what they are. But to put the animating force back in and keep it active, that's the interesting thing. I think the next step is going to be they're going to capture or try it on somebody who oh, is forsaken. Oh, 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 light forged. Oh my god, headache yep. from this idea. The light forged is the same thing. Mm hmm So they just took the light forging process and kind of tweaked it. Light forged 2.0. Because if you look at her, like even her model, it's not swirling with light and fell. She's she's definitely glowing light. Like she's she looks more she looks closer to a light forge than she does a forsaken. Okay. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for the show. Thanks, you guys, as always, for listening, and we will see you again next week. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.